0: Hey everyone, I'm your host Stanley Genetic and welcome to the Landscape Disruptors podcast. Landscape Disruptors is a platform that showcases top performers in the landscape and snow industry and discusses all things related to business and beyond. This is a platform for sharing advice that relates to helping landscapers build successful and well-planned out businesses of their own. Viewers can expect a variety of guest experts to talk about all functions related to business, including sales, marketing, making better equipment decisions, and a variety of other topics that will help you be a more efficient and more profitable landscape company. You can learn more about our free content at landscapedisruptors.com. Before I intro our guest today, I want to give a big shout out to LMN Software. They're the ones that are making this happen. I've personally been using their software in my own company for the last year, and it's a complete game changer for my business. LMN is the most comprehensive landscape business management software in the industry. From budgeting, estimating, customer relationship management, time tracking, and so much more. It's the true do-it-all tool for your landscape business and provides a platform to scale your company to the next level. And the best part about LMN is they have a free version which you can begin using today. Just visit GoLMN.com disruptors to learn more and start taking advantage of the software That's helped me grow my business into a successful, sustainable, and profitable company. That's goelmn.com backslash disruptors. All right, you guys, we're with Brian from Brian's Lawn Maintenance. Brian, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, brother. Welcome to the jungle. yeah, let's let's do this.
0: No doubt. This is gonna be an awesome show. So um, if you guys don't know who Brian is, he's got a YouTube channel. Uh, You just broke 100,000 subscribers on there. Yes. You're crushing it on Instagram as well. You're in the 20s or or 30s or something. 34. 34, all right. Yeah. Um, And so, and you also do the Lawn Entrepreneur Academy. So this is really lawn maintenance has been kind of like you live and breathe it. We've talked about you maybe diverging into other things and you are just like, I am in lawn care. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about this journey. You've been, and you, now you didn't come from a silver spoon, period. Let's no. just, you came from sheer poverty. Uh, you know, yeah. it, was, it was a horrible background.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait, my Both my wife and I, we came from nothing. So uh, literally I grew up in a double wide trailer. So I mean, imagine like the guy in the trailer, you know, just doing his thing. Um, I had a background working at Little Caesars Corporation. So like slinging $5 pizzas. Do you guys have those up here? Yes. Okay, so $5 pizzas. So uh, I was just an average regular like kid. Started cutting grass when I was like 10, 12 years old. Worked that for a few years. Worked at Little Caesars for three or four years. Became a store manager at 19. So I started like uh, one. I started appreciating entrepreneurship and business, right? Uh, because I also got to run my own store as a store manager. So I had that ownership kind of like bug kind of instilled into me. Uh, but even though I didn't own the business, it was still like my franchise, right? Okay. And so uh, actually got laid off from that job. Went to work at True Green. Uh, I was spraying fertilizer, so you guys ever see like the, the big tanker trucks around town? Mm-hmm. I was doing that. Um, I didn't uh overly like it, I didn't also hate it, um, but I was learning a lot of life skills there about route density, production, um, you know, revenue goals, all kinds of different things that that company taught me, including sales training. I mean, I always joke with those guys that they're a uh, sales company that happens to fertilize, not a fertilizer company that does sales, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I owe a lot to those guys. It was a really good experience. And then at about 20 years old, I started my own lawn and landscape business. Um, It's absolutely nowhere in the galaxy of where it is today, right? The last three or four years, uh, we've done some stuff with YouTube, and there's a story in between there. Uh, But my business uh, for the first decade, it was a very uh, large struggle. So we weren't the most profitable business. We didn't have the best pricing. I didn't have the best routes. Um, I didn't have the best uh, help. So it was a lot of just try, fail, adjust, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A little bit different than what a lot of these guys get access to today with the YouTube, the social media, the Instagram podcasts, right? So my first 10 years, uh, I think I've heard you say before on other uh, YouTube videos, uh, throwing mud up against the wall and sees what sticks. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my life story the first 10 years.
0: Okay. Okay. So then what happened? What You said just within the last three or four years, your life has changed.
1: Yeah. So uh, so I think the catalyst for me personally was five and a half years ago, I got married. Uh, so I met a girl, fell in love, the whole deal. And if some of you guys watch our content, you know my wife, Liz. Uh, so as a single guy, I always had this forty, fifty dollars $50,000 a year business, right? Mm-hmm. And I was super happy with that because I lived at home. Didn't have a lot of expenses, and it was a decent little income. Well, then uh, somehow when you get married, there's two people now, but somehow your expenses triple, right? So I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's yeah. <laughs> so a little you, bit. And
0: when you get kids, it gets exp- exponentially worse. <laughs> okay.
1: So so that was my that was the catalyst, right? Uh, Liz and I got married. And I just realized she had big dreams. She wanted to be a stay home wife. Uh, she wanted to be a stay home mom. Uh, my 40-50 grand a year business, although it was making money. It wasn't a very successful business. We were doing like seventy grand a year gross, um, and I just, I also felt like I had a lot of untapped potential, but I just didn't have the resources, the education. I always had the desire, but there was a lot of missing ingredients into my business. Now, again, we got to keep it in context. Five, six years ago, barely YouTube and podcasting and Instagram were like a thing, right? So there wasn't all the resources that some of these guys listening to do today have access to. So. Two things happened at the same time, little parallel paths. Like Imagine like a little uh, rowboat in the water, two oars in the water. One was my actual lawn and landscape business and me wanting to grow it to be able to take care of my wife and this future family. But the other oar in the water was I jumped on YouTube not to be the guru, not to be the answer man, not to say, oh, wow, look how great I'm doing, because that truly wasn't the case. It was, hey, I'm going to document my life. I'm going to review some equipment. Um, I kind of got caught up in the, the hype and the fun of watching other guys on YouTube review Products and back in the day, I was using brands that not a lot of other guys were using uh, based on my region. And so, what happened was, I started kind of just documenting my business on YouTube. And as one video led to another video, one video led to a couple more videos, a couple more subscribers, and the thing started to grow, what happened was the YouTube channel and all the uh, feedback that I had received from other contractors, other people in the industry, was making an impression and molding me to be a better business owner, right? So you gotta imagine, every day I'm doing a video or I'm talking about my business and I'm saying, hey, this is why the mowers I'm picking or the aerator I'm picking or are pricing. And then I get a video with 10 comments, 20 comments, 100 comments, and people would say, hey, you should maybe evaluate rating your, raising your prices. Hey, maybe you're uh, doing something a little wrong, maybe try this. Hey, you're using this setup, have you ever thought about this? So hundreds of videos, hundreds of com- thousands of comments later, right? And there's a story in between here, but four or five years later, uh, I've been melded, molded as this guy who's taken all the feedback. Because I always say YouTube's a two-way street. Right. Like we put out content, but you all got to hear that I listen to everything that you guys have to say too. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, um, and also uh, a little caveat in there is one of my friends, Mike uh, Bedell. He's kind of became like a, a pseudo small business uh, mentor to me as well. It lives five minutes down the road. We met at a trade show, and I had a thousand uh, subscribers back then. So some combination of. Using YouTube to learn, and, and I pour out and I also receive it, learning from guys like you who were putting out content back in the day, and then also my friend who was kind of like a more hands-on, in my market, five minutes down the road from where I live, I started stitching together my business. Mm-hmm. And within about, uh, I'd say about 12 months after meeting my friend Mike, and then also my first or two uh, years on YouTube, my lawn business went from you know making 50, 60 grand a year to double, and then uh, the YouTube channel continued to grow. We were at 40,000, 50,000 subs. Things along the way, we're learning and we're growing. Uh, the, my business revenue basically doubled again like 18 months later. So all things being said, we went from doing 60, 70 grand a year to just under 200 grand a year in revenue. And I've never claimed to be the, the biggest business, the know-it-all, the have-it-all-figured-out guy. I'm learning every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've done is I've gotten really excited about helping other guys in the industry Grow a successful lawn and landscape business, and so I know it doesn't apply to everybody. Maybe you're doing concrete or construction so, so or excavating something.
0: Yeah, you have done. You grew your company from 60 70 thousand a year. Yep. To two hundred thousand, or is that YouTube and the lawn? Care? No, that's
1: just our lawn and landscape. That's just the lawn... Yeah, okay, with okay. me and me and one other guy. So owner-operator, basically, one other full-time guy. Uh, he averages about 30, 35 hours a week with me. And then we and mostly do... And is that do.
0: just cutting lawns, or are you adding additional services on?
1: So we do lawn care. Uh, I'll call it soft-scaping, like mulch, uh, annuals, uh, like flowers, um, aerations, yeah. overseeding. To your um,
0: existing customer base, right? Yeah,
1: we manage about 100 clients. Okay. Uh, 80 to 5 residential, a half-dozen commercial, a couple uh, strip malls and industrial, uh, but it's about 100 clients a week
0: so let's say you got these hundred and you you got these clients through cutting their lawns
1: yeah basically right. it's a lawn and snow is the the core
0: okay and so that you use this this center mass of clients yep to then add your your additional services onto it right yes okay so and this is where you were able to take it from 60 70 thousand and instead of bringing in a whole bunch of new business you realize that you just had all this money left on the table that you weren't capitalizing
1: on. 100%. So I did a YouTube video talking about lawn maintenance, uh, or lawn care versus maintenance company. And I broke it down because, exactly, uh, Stan, like if you look at uh, a lawn care customer, it might be worth 900 bucks a year, right? Mm-hmm. But if I do the aerations, the overseeding, the lawn treatments, um, the snow plowing, the mulch. The upsells. All the upsell services... Uh, One customer can be worth $3,500 to $5,000 a year. And I really uh, derived some of that value from, again, my friend Mike. Because he only had 30, 40 clients and he was doing a couple hundred grand a year. And it was an enigma. Because I thought I had to have more customers. And to me, more customers meant more headaches. Yeah. Right? I'm like, I already got a decent business. But if I had 20% new customers, now I've got 15 new headaches. I didn't want any more headaches. And I was learning from, uh, again, my friend Mike and a ton of other people as well that he only had a certain amount of clients and but he did everything and i said oh my god if i would just instead of going vertical i went horizontal right i could triple my revenue with not a lot of effort in terms of gaining new customers now we still had to do the hard work you you didn't have to market because
0: you were just telling your existing client base who was already in love with you for the existing services that you were already providing because you acquired them Right out of the gate. Yes. And so this is how you were able to go make such a radical increase. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: And we're still riding that wave up because every single day, and some of you guys listening to this, you might laugh at this one. uh, You know, we'll do uh, an aeration overseed, and that customer didn't even know we offered that. And they go, I didn't even know you guys did that. And that's always like the worst thing you can hear from a customer, right? Uh, or, or It just tells you your marketing isn't working. Well, that or you just, or your customer doesn't know what you offer. Right. Because uh, those times when I'm cutting a lawn and I see, you know, the course from an aeration. Super simple, uh, you know, service, $100, you know, service. And I say, oh, we could have did that for you. And they say, well, we didn't know that you offered that. That was kind of my sin about three or four years ago. Well, how have you changed that? Well, uh, first off. It worked on me first it was an internal decision before it was an external one okay right because I was scared I was timid I was afraid um, I talk a lot about this on, on the content I put out um, I just didn't really know my value my pricing you, you didn't, didn't have the confidence 100% in yourself yes. to be able to, to take it to the next level if you distill it down a hundred percent now now uh, I've also heard like you can't have uh, fear and faith can't coexist Right. So I, here I am married and I got to provide. So my, my faith or my desire, uh, or my frustration even was greater than my, the factor of my fear, mm-hmm. because what are you going to go back to your wife and tell her that tell her that you promised the world to her when you got married and I'm not going to be able to provide the lifestyle that you want. Sorry. You just married a schlep. Like I, I had this frustration internally. And I said, I had this cognitive dissonance we talk about and I had to perform. If not, I was going to be a liar. Okay. so that's, that's where it started internally. Okay. Right. So then I said, okay, if that's the case, what's the big, what's the big deal? What's the big concern here? I don't know how to rent an aerator. I don't, it all seems so um, trivial now, but four or five years ago, when you're going through the thick and you're going into it, you're like, it's all unknowns. It's all, it's all uh, comfort zone. Yes. And I, I laugh at the comfort zone uh, statement that people make because to me, it's just a familiar zone. Yep. Right. A comfort zone is just what you know. Yeah. And I heard a guy say once that a familiar zone is what you're 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 familiar with, right? It's really simple. But if you get unfamiliar with, you get nervous, you get anxious, it's a, you're afraid, it's unknowns. Yeah. And so I was I had my comfort zone. Don't come into my comfort zone, right? So before I decided to go out of my comfort zone and my familiar zone, I had to work on me internally, and then it became an external thing. Mm. And so that's where I had to. Man up, own up, learn some things. Some of them were practical. Some of them were uh, tactical. Some of them were strategy. Some of them were mechanical. Yes. How do I do XYZ service? So how did you learn those services in the beginning? Straight up YouTube, uh, social media, guys like you that were putting out content back in the day and still to today. Um, guys like Keith Kalfas, I think is a, a guest on your show and a friend of, of the show. Um, so many people like that. And of course, industry events as well. Okay. But, f- but, but. Personally, it was a lot of one-on-one mentorship with uh, my friend Mike and a couple other guys that I network with locally. You know,
0: another weird thing, and it's going to sound odd, but actually, the companies that supply materials will oftentimes train people because they want somebody to install their materials. Absolutely. And they realize that if they've got somebody green, yep. and they're the person that trains them, yep. who are they? Who's that person typically going to commit? That, you know they're going, going to be loyal to the company that trained them in the first place yeah it'll become their biggest cheerleader i mean it's a simple solution so if these guys don't have an outlet or they don't know how to do something sure go knock on the person's door that you're willing to spend money with yep and say hey i want to install your pavers i want to install your bricks will you
1: teach me I, I, and still today, I, I love going to events like that. Um, shout out to Tackle Block, you know, um, just guys that make bricks and papers and a bunch of, uh, you know, products. Uh, I went to their contractor showcase, uh, over in March, you know, before uh, the whole uh, pandemic thing. Um, great time. Right. And I was up there. I was asking questions. I had a pen and paper. I was the new guy. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like go there for YouTube or clout or anything like that. Like, I'm going to learn. Liz and I build, uh, want to build a home here and have a beautiful outdoor patio. And absolutely. I was like, Hey, can I like get some samples or can you guys give me some catalogs? Even to this day, like, you're never too old to learn a new thing. Well, yeah, no,
0: I mean, you're constantly learning and growing. So where are you going now? Do you have a plan, or do you fly by the seat of your pants, or what's the next step? I,
1: I, I've gotten that question a couple times lately because here, here's this, the honest truth. Like, we're, we have our YouTube channel. It's becoming more successful. Um, very, very thankful. Very, very humbled. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I never saw it where it's at today. When I started, I said, maybe one day we'll get to 100 subscribers, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it took uh, you know, a couple months to get there. A hundred subscribers. A hundred subscribers. I mean, I was a, I want to say I was a big thinker, but even back then I wasn't, if I, looking back on it. Because okay. I, I said, one day I'll get to 1,000 subscribers, Stan. And uh, as somebody who's been through this, you know what I'm talking about, this evolution. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, man, we'll, we'll, we'll nail 1,000. But I told my wife, there's no way this thing will ever get bigger than 10,000. There's no way. There's not that many people. And so the, you know, the third time he's saying that we get to 10,000. I to tell my wife, okay, maybe 10,000 people want to watch what we're doing and learn how to run a successful business. They want to be encouraged. They want to see the newest chainsaw, whatever. Right. But nobody, not, there's not 50,000 people. And fast forward six to 12 months later, and there's 50,000 people watching the channel uh, or subscribe to the channel. And I go, there's never, ne-. and my wife goes, stop, stop saying that. Cause you have no idea what you're talking about. And so it continues to grow. now there's 100,000 people that um, are subscribed to the channel and we get a couple million views a month, which is insane. So now I kind of realize this responsibility. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people that are looking for encouragement. Again, I'm not the answer guy, but I feel like what we're doing is really resonating with a lot of those owner operators, mm-hmm. those guys that are in their first two, three, four, five years in business. And let's be honest, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of uh, fear. Um, You might be transitioning out of a job. This might be a part time, I call it weekend warrior thing in a a good way. Maybe you're just trying to make ends meet and pay uh, for your kids' braces or buy, you know, uh, pay for your camper. Hey, you know, you can start a lawn landscape business on the side and make an extra thousand dollars a month. And that's a dent. I mean, I heard back in 08, and uh, if you guys listen to this, you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe go Google it. But I heard back in 08 that when people were losing their homes, at least back in Michigan, that the average uh, person, if they made $400 more per month, they would have been able to keep their home. And we went through the crazy subprime crisis. And so when we talk $5,000 retaining wall, $10,000 mulch install, you know, you know, huge landscape contract, I get that. But I also want to make sure that we don't gloss over the fact that, hey, I understand some people are watching and listening, and they want to make $400 a month to pay for their kids' braces. And so that's where we're at right now is with a lot of the resources I put out, is to help people grow and navigate those first four to five years. Now, I'm not going to take you to a Stanley Dirt Monkey level. I'm not going to take you to where some of the other guests on the show are at running two, five, $10 million businesses. I'm not trying to make content for that because I haven't done it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to preach or pontificate Hey, here's what it takes to get to a 1.5 million dollar year business and by the way I have no ego I'm not in competition with those people if they want to put out content like that I'll be the first to point and promote those people because we're all in this together right and so uh, where I'm at right now is the YouTube channel it's growing um, to be honest like we make a couple bucks with it but I'm not at this point where I'm making seven figures doing YouTube and 250 grand with my lawn and landscape business. And the, uh, the choice to make is that clear, right? right? Like we still run both. I run the YouTube channel nights and weekends. Some people watch sports. Some people uh, are in basketball leagues and baseball leagues and you know playing softball. This is my hobby. This is my sport. I love making YouTube videos. And right now we still run the lawn and landscape company 40, 50 hours a week. We do about uh, a dozen commercial properties for snow management in the winter with 40 or so residential and it's manageable and so right now I'm enjoying running both now what's the end game for the lawn and landscape business that's a good question uh, we don't have that answer usually I'm the guy with uh, an answer you know what I mean Stan yeah because um, I talk fast <laughs> but we don't we don't know uh, it, it's manageable I have a guy Rob that's working for me right now that we're having those conversations if he wants to be my foreman and pay him 30 40 grand a year get him a truck and then get another guy on staff that can be his right-hand man and I have the lawn care business where maybe I only net 30 40 50 60 grand off it but it's a business and it's an asset that allows me to now go maybe focus more on YouTube or by the way other projects like Liz and I want to get into real estate investing we want to maybe have a restaurant one day there's a lot of other opportunities that we want to go in into the future okay and i see and here's why that that's encouraging to me and maybe some of you guys listening As i've heard from so many people the most successful people you've ever heard and know had lawn and landscape businesses their first 5, 10, 20 years as entrepreneurs. And those companies were the seed money to start their real companies. They, they morphed Yeah, I met, what the lessons they learned from that totally. into something. Yeah, I, I, met, I met a guy uh, not too long ago. He has four Holiday Inn like, hotel franchises. And he's like, dude, I ran a lawn and landscape business my first 15 years. And uh, an opportunity came in through, like, a family friend, and he was able to franchise these holiday inns. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's clearly, you know, making millions of dollars now, obviously, or hopefully. Uh, but he's like, yeah. He's like, if I didn't learn those life lessons and those business skills, slinging mulch and running a lawn and landscape business, doing, he was doing, like, half a million dollars a year or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, I never would have parlayed that into my new career, which is something that he was passionate about, which was hotels and hotel management.
0: I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think what we're doing has two paths. Yep. One is inside of the industry, we can continue to just nose to the grindstone. We've got our course. Yeah. and be successful. And you have the ability to build massive companies, small companies, profits, the profits are there. The whole I know a person that bought into this company, bought into a, a landscape business because they <clears> needed a <throat> the tax write-off so they could lose money. Sure and they ended up making so much money they had to go do something else entirely different to lose money <laughs> right. for as a tax write off sure but i also see where these guys this is not a dead end you can grow and expand or you can take the skills that you grow and morph them into something else i see that done all the time with people creating new products right um, they create a, well, a the person you know, one of the first people we ever met. Snow power. Yeah. Hurricane leaf blowers. uh Rick. Rick. Yeah. Rick Rick actually started out and the Lawn and Landscape Company. Then he built hurricane leaf blowers. Then he sold
1: hurricane leaf blowers to Briggs and Stratton. With a couple of commas in the check. Yep. Yep. <laughs> which is good, which is okay. Which is okay. And then And then he, he bought a seven thousand square foot home because he's a good guy (laughs) because he told us that (laughs) and then
0: he um was able to take his skill and experience in the snow plowing industry and create probably not probably what i consider to be the best pole plow on the market which was the the, uh the snow power pole plow yep um and so then he sold that uh, as his second company so he took he started out hands in the dirt right and use the skill that he's seen, what was missing inside the industry. And I see it happening over and over again. Yeah. And so there's all these different paths where guys can start to choose which way they want to go. Right. Right?
1: You know, and and that's where it's like a Plinko chip, I call it, right? No matter which way you drop it in, you just got to figure out what your end goal is and your end game is. Um, for us, it's manageable. now. I will be honest, like, hello, priorities are probably going to change over the next 12 months as I build a home. Uh, We've just uh, bought land. We want to build a home. And Liz and I want to start a family. Mm -hmm. I might value more time. Let's just be honest. I might want to be home for those first few years with our kids. And I want to focus on that. Um, YouTube might provide the opportunity to be able to do that nights and weekends and still have that hustle. And again, maybe my lawn landscape business isn't netting me the same 60% margin it is today because I have more overhead with more employees. But I can still retain that business, that asset, and turn it into an asset. That's something that excites me more than anything is to still be able to keep that business. Why do I have to give it up? I know so many guys that have lawn and landscape companies while they run so many other businesses. It's not even funny. And and again, I didn't even know that was an option. Remember, I was, I was uh, just swimming as hard as I could treading water because uh, my bills, my life, my debt and my belief was all up to my nose, the water level, right? So I was drowning, I was in survival mode. And when you get the water down to your ankles, you start finally being able to breathe and not having to panic, and you can make right choices instead of just grasping for straws. It's weird how much more money you can make in a business when you don't need the business. Again, a derivative of watching your guys' videos and you saying that. And at first, I was like, that's wrong. That doesn't make sense. That is so not true. Because I was like, I need to be the $20 guy, right? Cutting, a grass, uh, cutting grass instead of the $34 guy or the $40 guy or your $60 rate, whatever it is, guys.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, I talk about this uh, lately is the ability to walk away and to say no. And again, it goes full circle, Stand. It wasn't the price that we were debating. It was my value. It wasn't the $45 cut we were talking about when I was negotiating with a customer. It was them trying to peg me down to see if I valued my time. And people say all the time, well, your customers are taking advantage of you. Maybe, but maybe, unfortunately, you're taking advantage of yourself by not charging your worth. Hmm. Hmm. All right.
0: Um, let me just check something here, real quick. Brian, all right. I got one last question for you. Sure. If you were gonna be talking to the young entrepreneurs yep. of the world and these are guys that maybe just starting to get into it and you had to give them a sense of direction, a sense of action, a course to go, what would you say to do? What what how would you direct these guys? Because a lot of them don't know what they're doing and they listen to these things hoping to get that very specific sense of direction.
1: I, I feel number one, you gotta figure out what you want. I mean, before you start, right, you gotta figure out what you want. I mean, it, it sounds so simple and it sounds like a soundbite. It sounds like a hyperbole, right? Mm-hmm. But how many times do, we, do, do people wind up in life where they don't want to be? And let's say you're climbing a ladder and you realize you get to the top of that ladder and that ladder is leaning on the wrong building. And you look across the, the causeway there and you see the other skyscraper. And you're like, man, I should have been climbing that the whole time. Well, you don't have enough time in the world to climb down that ladder and restart climbing up the other side. You need to jump. You need to make that, that leap. And start figuring out what you want to do with your life. Maybe you're 40 and you're trying to decide that. Well, if you're 18, 19, 20, first go ride a uh, a ski lift or go take the elevator to the top of those buildings. Get to the top. You're just renting space for a quick second. Get the lay of the land and figure out if that's the life you want to live before you start committing to a process. I heard a guy say once, When you're 18, everybody asks you, and here's my my big takeaway. If you guys can remember any one thing from this podcast, this is what's helped me the most, is that don't figure out what you want to do, figure out how you want to live. Because what you do might not turn into how you want to live. Let's say, for example, you want to be a jet-setting, multi-millionaire, you want to go to the Turks and Caicos, you want to live the dream, right? Okay. But your guidance counselor at school says, you're good at math, you should go be an electrical engineer. Well, okay, back in Michigan, a lot of automotive, right? An electrical mm-hmm. engineer might make sixty grand a year. Maybe a really good product, uh, project manager, ninety to $120,000 a year. Even if you're making $120,000 a year, is that going to get you to the lifestyle of being a jet-setting, multimillionaire, Turks and Caicos, living the dream, boats, yachts, and Ferraris? No. So there's some dissonance here, right? So that path that you take at the beginning that your guidance counselor taught you was a good idea might actually be the worst advice you've ever heard on the freaking planet. Right, So figure out the lifestyle you want to live and then work the equation backwards. Right, So the life I'm living now is the life I designed for myself four years ago. Huh. Then I had to be patient, work the plan, and just, wow, lo and behold, you wind up somewhere. I didn't wind up where I'm at today. It was an extremely planned event.
0: That's really, really, really good advice. I like that.
1: Well, hopefully it helps you guys out because nobody taught me this shit at 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really think that that's valuable advice because I will tell you
0: right now, you will create your destiny. Yeah. Whatever it is you want. If you if you make the wrong path and you say, I'm going to be an electrical engineer, guess what, right. folks? Congratulations. You won the ticket to be an electrical engineer. Yeah, you may have to go to six years of school. Maybe you're not the brightest bulb in the bunch and you're thinking that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Absolutely. Then you did it. But if you say, I want to be a jet setter, the bizarre, weird thing is one of two things is going to happen. You're going to be that person or you're going to try to be that person. Absolutely. And you will probably have a lot of fun on the way there. Yeah. Whether you hit it or not, yeah. it doesn't make a difference because... You have now created and fulfilled your own self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's the way a lot of... I mean, it's, yeah. it's the um, manifestation, I think, is what some people call that ability or whatever. Sure.
1: I don't know. Well, here, here's the last like, things that make you go, hmm, this is the kind of stuff that I like, is what happens if you go the traditional route we just described about being an engineer, you turn 35 years old, and you're not living the life you lived, why didn't everybody ever present the other option? Why didn't everybody ever tell you that another life exists? Why didn't anybody ever tell you that you could have, as Robert Kiyosaki talks about, the two different sides of the cash flow Mm quadrant. When I was 18 years old, only one side of the story was presented to me. I was only taught to go to school, go go get good grades, go to college. My brother was already doing that. And I didn't want any part of that meal because I was 18 years old. I took over a little Caesar franchise and I was already making 37 grand a year. Today's money, that's 65 grand a year, right? This is 10, 12, 14 years ago. So, okay, I'm 18, I can make 65 grand a year. That's the route I chose, and it just got me thinking. I had to start thinking and observing and surveying. And when I was working for a billionaire corporation, I was able to meet a Mike Gillich back in the day. I noticed that this guy had 2,000 stores or whatever it is. I said, franchising, big business, I want to own something. And that just was a splinter in my brain to put a little pebble in that river, right, and divert a little path, just to divert a little thought. And that little trickle of water turned into a stream and a stream turned into a river and a river turned into a niagara waterfall and now today you want to know what i'm most passionate about and most excited about is presenting the other half of the story the other half of the equation to my audience because again one side and you can go down the conspiracy rabbit hole all you want but one side of the story is only being presented to the majority of the public that if you don't go to school, don't get good grades, and don't go to college and work for a major corporation, that, say, I don't know if you can relate, but all I heard growing up was, you're going to be poor, broke, busted, a loser, destitute, no status, no say, no nothing. And frankly, what I've come to find out is that the most successful, hardest-working, most financially stable, blessed people I know seem to own their own business, and a lot of them are contractors in our industry. So you said something that
0: I want to point out. Uh, When you asked you know, you can go to college, you can get your your job, or you'll be broke. I was thinking you actually met. If you go to college and you get a job, mm-hmm. you will be broke. You will work your ass off. You will, you know, always you will always have a limit to what you're capable of achieving. Sure. and, I, and I, I don't have a problem with people that do it. I love it. It's what makes us a. It's what makes the world work. Yep. But. When it's not the only path it's not the only path and there's more opportunities when you become your own boss and realize that the only limit you put on yourself is what your own drive will allow you to push through your own motivation your ambition you are you become the limiting factor, not somebody else's decision when you work inside of a corporation. And a lot of times that decision is not a fair decision. Mm-hmm. It's a de- decision made out of envy, greed. You may have managers above you or below you, and all they don't want to see you do is get above them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're already above them, they're going to do whatever they can to p- bring you down to their level. And if you're climbing rapidly up toward them, threat. they're going to, you're a threat. Yeah. So you've got this giant conglomeration of things working against you instead of for you right but when you become your own entrepreneur, guess what The only thing that works against you is you at this point. Right. So you become your own worst enemy right yeah. you get you become the bottleneck inside of the corporation but the beautiful part is is you're the boss
1: and right. you can change that bottleneck at will. I love it. Yes, that's that's the the best well, part about what we do. You, like you said, when you go back to the corporation setting, and again, I'm not down on college. I'm down on both sides not being presented. Yep. Right to the 18 year old Brian. And so here's the bottom line: when you're working for somebody else, like you just uh, said, Stan, I heard somebody say like your boss, you're a threat to them because they could take your job, and you don't want your uh, the people below you to do too good to do too good because they're going to take your job. Yep. So the whole organization is stagnant. Yep. Nobody wants to grow. In corporate America, and this isn't a slate on corporate America, but I'm going to put a slate on corporate America because when you do one thing right, you get a 1x attaboy. When you do something wrong in corporate America, you get a 10x slap on the wrist, red streak on your review, and so people are encouraged to not be creative, not take a chance, not go out on a limb, not do some you know unique and interesting campaign to grow the company because they're not compensated or rewarded. Yeah. Now, in an entrepreneur setting, there's still risk, there's still opportunities, and there's still things that you have to figure out, but like you said, if you want to grow your organization, replace yourself uh, with your replacement, and grow your tree, grow your company, and continue to blossom, create jobs, grow the economy. I mean, again, you can chase security, or you can chase freedom, but you cannot have both, and one of my early mentors said to me, he goes, what's the most safe, secure place on planet Earth? And I said, that's a good question, I don't know. I'm stumped. and he goes, "A maximum security prison cell." And I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, he goes, "It's the safest, secure place on Earth, but you got a lot of freedom there?" I said, "No." And he goes, "Exactly. So you can have security or you can have freedom, but you can't have both. And so I'm not saying that you know a corporate America or a job or a nine-to-five is that prison cell, but you know what? There's still handcuffs, and maybe you make 120,000 dollars a year, and you know you have this great sales job." great. They're just golden handcuffs, right? They're still handcuffs. And so I'm not saying that I don't respect the college route and the college hustle. Lord knows that if I need a lawyer, I hope they went to college. Lord knows that if uh, I'm buying a vehicle, I hope a very degreed engineer (laughs) made that safety harness, right? I'm getting operated on. I'm hoping it's not chucking his truck. Exactly. But the other side again is how do you want to live? So again, I'll wrap up with that is if you want to live, an incredible life. Figure out the end of the equation first, and then work it backwards. Too many of us go through life front ways forward. We waste up 40 years of our life and realize, holy crap, I've been on the wrong trajectory this whole time, right? If you if you're driving a Ferrari down the road, I heard a guy say, maybe Gary V. If you're driving a Ferrari down the highway, that car can go 200 miles an hour, but if it's co- the whole highway is covered in thick, dense fog, you guys get that up here in Minnesota. I know about the lakes. We get that too. It doesn't matter if that car can go 200 miles an hour. I'm going to be limited by 30 mile an hour driving until I can get that fog out of the way and then I can punch it and let the 450 horsepower out and go 200 miles an hour. But you can't do that if you don't have vision, if you don't know where you're going. Huh. Good stuff. Thanks for coming on, Brian. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Uh, how,
0: how can people find out more from you?
1: Uh, type in Brian and Lawn Care will come up on the interwebs. <laughs> wherever It's
0: not Fullerton Lawn
1: Care? Uh, Fullerton Lawn Care, which is what Stan said. So this is take two. <laughs> this is take two. So this guy's a stud, but he makes mistakes too. No, uh, uh, Brian's Law Maintenance on YouTube. Brian's Law Maintenance Instagram. Uh, uh, Fullerton Unfiltered Podcast. Uh, uh, again, shout out to the LMN folks. Thanks for having us on. Uh, this was really, really good time. Hit re-listen, guys. Go through this again. There's a lot of nuggets baked into this one. I know we come at you fast and I talk fast. Uh, but you know, if you guys ever need anything, say hey, say hi. Shoot a DM on Instagram. I always get back to you guys. All right.
0: God bless. Go get them, you guys. We'll see you another one. Thanks, Brian.
1: Yep. All right. Thanks, guys, for
0: tuning in today. And make sure you come back next week. We've got more expert landscape business advice coming down the pipeline. Once again, a huge shout out to LMN Software for sponsoring this podcast and making this all happen. LMN is the most comprehensive landscape business management software in the industry. It's the true do-it-all tool for your landscape business and provides a platform to scale your company to the next level. And the best part about LMN is they have a free version, which you can begin using today. Just visit GoLMN.com backslash disruptors. You guys can start taking advantage of the software that I've been using to help me create a successful, sustainable, and profitable company. That's GoLMN.com backslash disruptors. Thanks again, everyone, and see you next week.